This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 53, my interview with Dan from Chagrin River Outfitters in Chagrin Falls, Ohio. I've been stopping into that store as my local resource for Lake Erie Tributary Steelhead for the past, I guess, five years now, five or six Decembers. I head up there. Stop in the shop, find out what's going on. You can follow them on all their social media, Instagram, Facebook. It'll be mentioned in this podcast. And they've been a supporter of me, sending me some care packages. And if you stop by the Somerset Fly Fishing Show and mention this podcast, I'll give you one of their stickers. There's a limited supply, so make sure you get there on Friday morning and mention it. Hope you all enjoy this podcast. And if you stop into the fly shop, be sure... To let them know that you heard them on the podcast. It's a short one, but it's full of all sorts of information. You might want to take notes. All right, so we are at Chagrin River Outfitters. Dan, do you want to introduce yourself? 
Yeah, uh, Dan Prabanic from uh, Chagrin River Outfitters here in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, uh, Northeast Ohio, you know, right along uh, the northern shore of Lake Erie. So if we were outside th- the southern shore of Lake Erie, if we were going to throw a dart in Ohio, uh huh, be in sort of top right corner, top right corner. Yep. All right. And you are mostly a shop. Just from the colors in here, it looks like mostly steelhead stuff. Mostly steelhead, definitely. We wouldn't be here without the steelhead fishery. Obviously, we cater to the folks in the area that trout fish in PA in Michigan and, and do destination trips, whether it's saltwater or out west and things like that. But yeah, our bread and butter is definitely the steelhead fishery. How far are we from the river? Whoa, well, I mean, from the river itself, you know, I mean, 100 yards, 100 yards. Oh, really? Right. It's right on the other side of that building. I had no idea. Yeah. Very cool. You know, and then the, the steelhead come up right to... Uh, you know, give it another 150 yards right over to the waterfall in town here. The steel had come pretty close to the shop. So dead end for them right there? Right there, yep. Are you allowed to fish down there? You can fish there, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Might have to do that tomorrow. They're in there. Yeah, it's a dead there. end, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Waterfall is always a good place to fish for migratory fish, right? Yeah, so right now we had major ice melt, and that's why the river's all muddy? Well, we had a lot of snow melt. Um little bit of ice melt and on top of that we had a pretty good rain uh about a half inch of rain as well so you combine the half inch of rain and five six inches of snow and a little bit of ice melt and yeah we had the rivers came up and got got a little dirty there for a few days and most of the steelhead fishing is based on the water levels and clarity absolutely absolutely there's a you know everybody tries to hit the prime windows around here as far as water conditions go you know, and they only last for a few days. Um, luckily, the way our, our rivers work, the way the size of the watersheds, um, they're all a little different size watershed. So usually, you know, if we have a weather event like we did here where with a little bit of rain, a little bit of snow melt, the rivers are blow out. Um, and then they'll kind of start coming coming into shape in in, in in an order. You know, usually the, the chagrin's the first one that starts fishing here in Ohio um, on this side, and then you can get a few good days of fishing in on the chagrin. Then typically the conneout will come into shape because it's a little big watershed, so it takes a little bit longer to, to, to get into prime condition. So that'll start fishing for a few days. And usually once the conneout starts getting low and clear, if you haven't had any more rain or, or any other precipitation after that, then you can start fishing the grand for a few days. So you know, um, it, chasing around the water conditions is the key, I think, in Ohio for uh, being successful uh, at catching fish. You know, one river may have a few more fish in it than the other, but I think ideally what you're looking for is the conditions that are best for actually catching them. You know, you can't have it high and muddy because they can't see the flies and they're trying to, you know, just stay out of the way of the stuff coming down the river. And uh, when it gets low and clear, they just get spooky. You know, they're there, but they're they're hard to catch. They're vulnerable. They're not used to being in four feet of clear water. You know, right. They're used to being in 80 feet of water and swimming anywhere they want in the lake. So the key here in Ohio is definitely uh, trying to have the water conditions in your favor. And these fish come in in the fall? They do. They do. Um, so yes and no. So, you know, right over the border in PA, they stock a fall run fish, more of a fall run fish. Um and we get a lot of strays from there. A lot of the fish we catch in the fall are strays from Pennsylvania. Um, the, the Ohio fish is more of a spring-run fish. The manistee strain of fish is what we're, we have right now. And they're more of a – our fish t- 
typically start coming in around mid to late November is when you start seeing the bigger Ohio fish. And you can tell the difference. Uh, the PA fish are shorter and thicker, where the PA and the Ohio fish are uh, just longer and leaner. So you can definitely tell the difference between a PA fish and an Ohio fish. And our fish usually start coming in around, like I said, around Thanksgiving time. And do they stock them in the river? They do. They stock them as, you know, the, the rivers here get really warm in the summer, um, <clears throat> you know, 80 degrees. So there's not a whole lot of natural reproduction. There is a little bit in, in some of the really small spring-fed tributaries that dump into some of these rivers, but it's minimal. Um, so what they do is they stock they stock these steelhead as, as smolts, you know, about seven inches long in the springtime. Um, and they stock about 400,000 fish per year. It's broken up more or less into about 100,000 fish per river that, that they stock. Actually, it's five now, but each river gets, you know, let's, let's say roughly around 100,000 fish. And they stock them in the spring, and then those fish go out to Lake Erie when the water temperatures warm up. And they spend two, three summers out in the lake, and then those are the fish you see start returning into the rivers. Can you tell a stocked fish versus a wild reproduced fish? You know, I, some people say they can. I mean, we catch a lot of really nice fish here, um, really clean fins, you know, not marked up at all. And everybody, and you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, that must be a wild fish, must be a wild fish. I can't tell the difference. There's no fin clips and things like that, you know, that you can say, oh, there's a right fin clip or there's a left peck fin clip or something like that. So there's no, uh, nothing that the state does to, be able to tell the difference between what would actually be a wild fish or a, a stocked fish. but uh, So I, I don't know of any way to tell di- directly, to be honest with you. The ones in Virginia, they stock, they got no fins. Their faces are just like squared off. Yeah. You can, and they just look, you feel bad for those fish. The, the trout? Yeah, that have just been swimming in concrete, in concrete rubbing tanks. up against the, they go counterclockwise, you know, there's yeah. left fins gone if they go clockwise. Yeah. Yeah, so these, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, because they they're not in the raceways and what not as long. You know, they're not they're not stocking full grown catchable fish. They're catching they're they're, they're stocking seven inch smolts. You know, so they're not that banged up. They're in pretty good shape when they release them. Um, so in return, you know, they what you get back is a pretty clean, good looking fish a lot of times. What do they eat in the winter and spring when they're in here? Because I've been flipping over rocks for mm-hmm. five years. I haven't. I found two snails today. That's it. Mm-hmm. Never found like mm-hmm. a leech, a crayfish, mm-hmm. a crest bug, stonefly, or anything. Yeah. So, you know, the, there's not a whole lot of insect life in a lot of these rivers. We, uh, the reason being, I don't know if you've ever seen anchor ice. Do you know what anchor ice mm-hmm. is? The ice that forms from the bottom up. Right. So that kills a lot of the insect life in Ohio. We get a lot of anchor ice, and that's what all the biologists say kills a lot of the insect life, um, especially on you know some of these bait rivers that we have in, in you know where there's a lot of shale and things like that. Um, there are decent uh, caddisfly populations in some of the rivers. The Grand River has an interesting, uh, has a pretty big population of golden stoneflies. Um, golden stoneflies a de- decent bug there in the spring. Um, there's a lot of black stoneflies, you know, the little black stoneflies. Mm-hmm. You'll see a lot of those in the spring. Um, but, it, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of bait fish, sculpins, minnows, dace, things like that that steelhead will feed on. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're in the river to spawn. 
So, you know, the, the lack of – there's food for them to eat, but they're not there to eat. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, we can be successful at catching them at times. I don't know. Maybe they're just hungry. But there's not a, there's not a ton of food for them in the rivers, that's for sure. You know, the main food sources for them are, uh, you know, in the springtime there's a lot of eggs, you know, when the fish are spawning, so they'll definitely key in on those. In the falls, you know, there's there's crayfish in the fall. You'll you'll feel a lot of them. You'll pick them up. You'll catch them, and you can tell they've been eating crayfish or – you know, you can feel them in their bellies. Weird. It you is. ever see them with just the claws sticking out? That I have not. I'll get bass that have that. You yeah. see some antennas and claws sticking yeah. out. That, I've seen it with bass. I've seen it with trout, but I don't think I've ever seen it with steelhead. Um, a lot of shiners come in the lower rivers that come in from the lake when the when the temperature changes and the rivers get warmer uh, than, than the lake temp. Those shiners and shad will move into the lower rivers pretty thick. Um, so that's a pretty good food source for them there, too. Gizzard shad? Gizzard chat and Lake Erie Emerald Shiners, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those gizzards are nasty. They're I, they're probably good for a fish, though. Yeah. You know, oily. They're oily and, and yeah. super, super nutritious, but yeah. Yeah, they, they they're are the Jawas slimy. of the fish world. No one likes them. They're slimy. Let's see. Um, now, flies, a lot of intruders. Is that just to get in their, their space, just piss them off into biting? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's just kind of trickled here from the west coast you know a lot of what we're doing now with two-handed rods and swinging flies and skagit heads and a lot of the flies we're tying are intruder style flies but i still think you're better off um, personally fishing something that's more uh an imitation of what they're actually eating um so i think i still think sculpins work better than intruder style flies i think uh your string leech patterns because there are a lot of leeches in lake erie and the river um, in sections, you know, and that's one of their food sources. So I think a string leech a lot of times is going to outfish an intruder. Um, and the emerald china, any kind of minnowy bait fish pattern or gizzard shad type pattern, yeah, that's going to outfish uh, an intruder style fly, in my opinion, as well. So while we do fish, and a lot of guys are hung up on fishing intruders, I definitely think there's styles of flies that out day in and day out are, are, are going to fish better than those absolutely but the the intruder style fly sure it gets in their f- space you know it's a territorial thing and it's an aggression thing and yeah they they hit them pretty good you definitely have the time material back there to make some intruders you yeah a lot of for a small space you've mm-hmm. got a solid time yeah no we we have a there's a big you know the fly fishing community in cleveland is pretty big um, you know, and, and the fly tying community is very big as well. And, you know, obviously you get into, uh, January and February and there's more time to tie flies than there is to fish, right? No more football. No. Cold, long days. No, we got the calves though. Yeah, they yeah. did good last year. Yeah, they did all right. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of guys that tie flies, a lot of really good fly tires, um, um, and a lot of, uh. And not just for steelhead. I mean, the main thing here is steelhead, but a lot of guys fishing for trout, a lot of guys fishing for pike, muskie, and those kind of things. So we try to we try to cater to them also. Did you get the lake run smallmouth? Yeah, so springtime. So right about the time, not that the steelhead fishing's winding down, but it's starting to warm up a little bit temperature-wise in the rivers and the lake. You know, usually to ballpark it, say, mid-April, um, you'll start seeing some smallmouth show up in the lower rivers. Um, and that'll go, you know, it's probably going in earnest. It depends on the year. You know, it depends on how quick the water warms up or doesn't warm up. It's definitely a temperature thing, but, uh, usually going pretty good through May into early June. Um, and the fishing can be, I mean, really, really good for the lake run smallmouth. 
Uh, Conneaut and the Grand are a little better options. Uh, you don't get as many in the lower chagrin because, uh, you know, the, 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 the bottom of the lake leading up to the river mouse of the Grand River, the Rocky River, uh, Conneaut Creek, Elk Creek is all rock. Whereas the the bottom out in front of the chagrin is mostly sand. I stepped in a lot of sand today. Yeah, so it doesn't draw them into the mouth as much. So the chagrin's not as good as a lake run uh, smallmouth fishery, but it can be okay. But uh, the rocky, the vermilion uh, over on the other side is good. Um, the the Conneaut, the Grand Elk Creek, all um, can get loaded up pretty good with big lake run smallmouth. I mean, it's not a stretch to say you could legitimately catch a seven-pound smallmouth in these rivers in the spring. You know, I, I've seen fish that don't go seven pounds. Um, never hooked one, but, you know, I've seen them. Um, and I've seen guys that, pictures of them that, uh, uh, that, that definitely fish would go seven pounds. Now most of them are probably around three. That's still you know, huge for me. Two and a half, three, but they're big, fat lake run, you know, pre-spawn lake fish from Lake Erie. And they're pretty aggressive when they come in. Then they get on the beds and... You know, you don't really want to mess with them there. You want to let them do their thing. And then when they're heading back out to the lake, um, you know, they get hungry again, just like the steelhead do. The smallmouth don't run as far up the river as the, as the steelhead do. Um, you know, a few miles is what you're kind of looking at there. There's ones that go further, but I think the bulk of them, you know, stay in the lower few miles of river. Um, but, yeah, it, but it's something that you just, guys just don't do. I mean, you can go, you can go fish the Grand or fish the Conneaut April 15th. And there's guys all over the place, you know. And you can go May 15th and have the same kind of fishing, and you won't see a soul. You know, I just think guys are getting in. Uh, they're putting their boats in the water for Lake Erie fishing. Golf they're getting out. back into golf. You know, there's just a, and they've been fishing the river since October, so you know they're kind of over it, so to speak. But uh, do people can you float through here? Like put a canoe in or a little kickboat? There's people that do. There's people that do. We don't really encourage it because the rivers really aren't big enough to handle traffic and not get in people's way that are wade fishing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there's people that do, and, and you know the people that do it attempt to do it in places where they're not getting in many people's way um, as far as access points and trying to float through sections of river that aren't really accessible by wading. So, you know, there are guys that do it, but they try and stay out of the majority of the, the wading angler's way. Um, it, it is doable, but like I said, it's not something that's really promoted because it would just, it would be a little too much traffic, I think. Right. So yeah. let's say uh, someone walks in here that doesn't have any fishing gear. Mm-hmm. What's the outfit that's going to cover somebody for pretty much the leg run species? Mm-hmm. So, and feel free. I mean, mention sure. mention the rods and brands you yeah, carry. And sure. I mean, we carry. You know, we're big on Scott. We sell a lot of Scott rods. Uh, local reps. You know, Jerry Darkus and Jeff Lisgay are, are great guys, and they're um, always helping out here in the shop. And and Scott rods. I mean, the last few years. I mean, the more and more I look at rods, I have my own personal rods. There's more Scotts and less other stuff every year. They're just making unbelievable fly rods right now. Um, you know, sages are good. Orvis is good. We carry some TFO. We carry some Reddington as well. Uh, we carry Winston and a few other brands, but, uh, you know, they're all good and, and they all work, but I've just, I'm really big on Scots right now as are, are a lot of other people. But, you know, you're looking at a nine and a half, six weight or a 10 foot, seven weight 
for the majority of our fishing. Um, a good stout nine and a half foot six weight with a fighting butt, I think, is fine, um, and it's a little better outfit for when you're bass fishing. You know, ten foot seven weight um, for indicator fishing. That little bit of extra length, nine and a half foot, ten foot, when you're indicator fishing is super important. Helps you keep some line off the water. Helps you mend easier. Helps you roll cast better. Um, it doesn't sound like much, but if if you and I were to go fishing, and you know, you know, you, um, you know, if if I was gonna, if I handed you a, if you had never been fly fishing before, and I handed you a nine foot seven weight to fish for a few hours, and then handed you a ten foot seven weight to fish for a few hours, having had never even fly fished before, you would say, man, this ten foot rod is a much better tool for the job. Doesn't sound like much, six inches a foot, but it makes a huge, huge difference. So nine and a half foot, ten foot, seven weight, and that's true for any kind of indicator fishing, high stick nymphing, where you're trying to keep line off the water and get the best drift you can. You know, a lot of guys, you'll see a lot of the trout rods. Guys are going to ten, ten and a half foot, eleven foot nymph sticks, things like that. It's the same principle. Um, you want to reel with a large arbor. You know, we the stuff we we we're big fans of the Nautilus, the new XL. Sell a lot of those. The Tibor Backcountry's great. Nautilus, Gurus, um, Reddington, Orvis, Ross. We we have a pretty decent selection of reels for guys, but you want something that balances well on whatever rod you want. Um, you want something with a large arbor, I think, to help with line pickup. You want something with a smooth drag adjustment um, where, you know, you, you turn the, the drag knob a few turns and it doesn't go from backlashing to stopping a freight train. You know, because a lot of times if the water gets low and clear, we are fishing fairly light tippet. Um, sometimes you're using small hooks, you know, and you're hooking, you know, you're fishing a size 12 nymph and you hook a 12-pound steelhead. You know, you need something with a smooth drag adjustment and a nice soft tip on there to keep from breaking a light tippet or, or bending, a, bending a hook. So, like you said, you're looking at 9.5 foot 6 weight, 10 foot 7 weight, a reel with a good drag adjustment large arbor and, and balances well on the rod now what about there's a lot of rock i've been stepping on out here you go mm-hmm. with sticky rubber rubber with studs yeah that's a good question so that's one of those questions i think uh everybody has a little different opinion on but i'm still a big if there's not snow on the ground i'm still a big studded felt fan you know i think the felt grips better on the rocks than rubber does uh, you know if just those two materials by themselves and the studs definitely help on the rocks and help you know on the stream on the on the slippery banks and things like that there's nothing that's perfect for everything i don't think um a lot of times for winter fishing you know you don't want felt because you'll get five inches of snow build up on the bottom of the boot you know giant pimp shoes yeah it's a weird deal i don't know why it happens but it does so you know you wouldn't want to use those felt boots when there's a lot of snow on the ground but studded felt for me i like a lot um and and then if you have snow on the ground studded rubber we still sell mostly studded rubber you know um you know years ago it was felt 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 and and studded felt and then you know you had the invasive species and everything like that um and everybody went to studded rubber i think a lot of people forgot how good studded felt is i mean as far as gripping um just so many different surfaces that's what i like yeah how often do you get out Oh, I get out when I need to. Right. You know, if I if the fishing's good or I've been cooped up in the shop here for too long and I really need to get out and go fishing for a few hours, I can. 
I definitely don't do as many guide trips as I used to, but it's like just you can't balance um, making sure everything's okay at the shop and be a good steelhead guide at the same time because you got to be on the water all the time. I do a few, you know, maybe seven or eight each fall, seven or eight each spring for guys that really want me to take them out. Um, but we have a good, and it, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you were to come in the shop six or seven times and we were to talk about steelhead fishing, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh, well, why don't you take me fishing? Like, well, I'd love to, you know what, but I'll, I'll set you up with one of our guides. And those are really who you want to go with because they're on the water every day. How'd you land getting Brett to work here? Brett, Brett's, I mean. That dude, like, his, yeah. his he caught what I consider the most perfect brown trout I've ever seen pulled out of Virginia. Yeah. He catches, like, 30-pound carp in the Sino Canal. Uh-huh. And he got a snakehead out of the Sino Canal. Yeah. No, Brett's not, well, he's, he lives around here. He lives, he's from Cleveland Heights, you know. Um, and he's always been um, just very into fly fishing, and he's always been very good at it. You know, he doesn't look for somebody to hand things to him. He He's always been somebody that if you, you know, and this isn't me, this is going back to Brett showed me more than I've showed him, that's for sure, um, especially around here because he grew up, it's more his backyard than it is mine. Um, but, you know, when he was younger and his kind of, you know, mentors, let's say, that taught him, you know, they, you know, like Brett never really asked for specific spots and, hey, where, where can I, where do I go do this? Where do I go do that? You know, he just kind of wanted to know how to do it and what he should be looking for. And he put in, you know, he put in the work, you know, he knows all the access points and all the spots on the river and when to fish them under what flows. And it just, you know, he just put in the work and figured it out, you know, and yeah, we're lucky to have him. He's a, uh, you know, he lives in DC now, but he's always, in contact with me and Pete here at the shop. He lives in the Young Kids neighborhood. Yeah. Where I lived 16 years ago, mm-hmm. back in the day, where all the bars are and the noise. And yeah, I like it quiet in the burbs now. Yeah. 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 Well, he's a little younger. Yep. Yeah. But no, he's good. He's very good. He's always willing to, even if he's in DC, you know, and if I were to call him up and say, hey, I'm in a jam this weekend, I really need some help. He's very. He would come up and help out if That's he could. Awesome. Yeah, no. He's. We're lucky to have a relationship with him, and you know, he's still very active in the shop here and does a lot of stuff for us. And yeah, no, he's a, he's a, and he's a good friend. So. I see him with his puppy last spring, shad fishing. Mm-hmm. Funny, cute mm-hmm. little dog. It's like a labradoodle or something. Yeah, fishing doodle. Yeah, and we the other guides we have too. I mean, they're they're really good, really good. I mean, John. You wouldn't hire them if they weren't. No, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. You can't have. You know, we have a few. Um, we could use more, but we're not really, we don't have the right person to plug in yet. Um, you know, John Fabian fishes the Delaware, fishes Alaska, fishes Montana. I mean, the guys that guide for us, they're full-time fishing guides. You know, that's what they do. They don't just steelhead guide in the winter and spring and then have regular jobs. They're they're full-time fishing guides. I mean, my nephew Justin, he does Martha's Vineyard saltwater trips. He does musky stuff. He does smallmouth stuff. And in the winter he does steelhead stuff i mean that, that's what they do so they're very, very good at it um and i think their experience with uh, all the other fisheries you know just helps them become better steelhead fishermen and and better teachers when they have guys on the water so we're lucky we have a very good guide staff so let's say someone wants to hire you guys for, mm-hmm. a, for a day how does that work so um typically what we would do is i mean there's some information about the guide service on the website you know sugar um Typically, somebody would, uh, 
if they're local, most of our business is local. We really haven't had to reach out from other places uh, to other places out of state even because you know the, we stay really busy with repeat local customers, I think because our guide staff is so good. Um, and you know, but what they would do is just call up the shop here, and if they had questions about times of year, or how they would like to fish, or when they would like to fish, you know, whether they want to swing flies or indicator fish, and those kind of things, um, you know, we, we'd help them answer any questions uh, that they have, and and try and plug them in with the right guide at the right time of year, uh, based on what their expectations are. So we we try and cater everything around the client what they're looking for you know, to make sure they get the best experience possible. But the first step would just be to call the shop here and ask a few questions and see, uh, you know, see what we can, see if we're the right fit for them and if we are, how we can get them a good steelhead trip. Good fit for them. Yeah. you got a real difficult website to remember. What is it again? www.chagrinriveroutfitters.com. And that's also your Instagram, Chagrin River Outfitters? Yes, sir. Any other social media? We do Facebook. Okay. Facebook, Instagram. too. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's your Grinning River Outfitters also. All right. Yeah. What about events? I remember a couple of years ago you mm-hmm. had Senyo was coming up between like Christmas and New Year's to tie in here. But I guess it's not coming up, coming down the lake. But I had the flu, so I had to miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, got, you have events every now and then? We have a lot of people come in, you know. Uh, Sherlock Holmes across the street. The game's afoot. We, uh, you know, April Vokey's been here a few times. Um, we have uh, Kevin Feenster comes down from Michigan. Um, Lance Wilt and those guys are coming in this uh, winter to do some stuff for us. George Daniel's been here a few times. George and I have been going back and forth. George, we're going to get you on soon. Yeah, yeah, Our yeah. schedule is just never. Yeah. If you um, Google his name, yeah, it's like I was trying to get, see if he had his own website. And then, like, the third option was how tall is George Daniel? Mm-hmm. I don't know why that would be like the most Googled thing about him. Huh. All of his fishing. He's a lanky guy, but. Yeah, I never really wondered how tall he was. Yeah, that's like the most searched thing about him for some odd reason. Huh. Maybe the NBA teams are scouting him. Yeah. Um, Who else? You know, Jeff and Jerry locally, great resources. You know, I mean, they've been around. They've done it. I mean, you know, whether it's Great Lakes steelheading or muskie or. You know, lake trout and things over on the Niagara or brook trout up in Lake Ontario and, you know, everything in between. I mean, they're, 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 and they're always very willing to help out at all the local shops, too. So we're, we're lucky. We have a, there's a lot of good anglers in the Midwest and there's a lot of people that are willing to share uh, what they know and, they, and what they love. So, you know, we have a lot of events here and we have a lot of local guys, just, you know, just the local fly tying stuff that we do with John and Justin and, uh, the other guides and myself and Pete does some Pete's uh, very big background in saltwater fishing. He uh, ran a Cape uh, a fly shop on Cape Cod for 15 years before he moved to Cleveland. So he has a lot of experience in saltwater striped bass, bluefish, and bonita, um, and a lot of experience with the travel industry. Um, running, he runs our trips down to the Bahamas and, and Mexico and Ascension Bay and things like that. So we're pretty well rounded in in for a shop in Ohio. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so we're lucky. We're lucky. We can help most people out. And if we can't help them out, we'll try and get them, uh, you know, in contact with whomever can. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. How long has the shop been here? We've been here since 2006. We opened in June 2006. So how long is that? It's going to be 11 years. 11 years. Starting Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a good run. I can't believe it's been that long. 
Um, and we're still learning. We're, we're trying to do things a little better each year, you know. There's a lot of things we've gotten better at over the years. There's a lot of things we can still get better at and need to get better at and improve on. So, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to get better each year still, and we know there's a lot of room for growth and uh, a lot of things we can do better as well. So that's what we're working on now. I will say after a long day of fishing, hopefully catching, where should someone go for a good meal around here? You got like your favorite burger joint? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, boy, right here in Chagrin Falls, I mean, Cleveland itself is, I mean, if you're a foodie or just like good food, there's a lot of good food in Cleveland, in the Cleveland area. And right down here in Chagrin Falls, uh, Flipside Cafe for burgers um, and, and a lot of good beers, a lot of good craft beers and things like that's fantastic. Uh, Grove Hill, my buddy Mick, the bartender over there, and uh, Tim Bando, who's a pretty well-known chef, not just in this area but all over the country. He has a very nice restaurant. Um, you know, there's 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 plenty to eat and drink in the Cleveland area, no doubt yeah. about, no doubt about it. They sell the Great Lakes Christmas Ale for fourteen bucks a six pack where we live. Is I that crazy? It is crazy. It's it's not that much here, but it's close. I think it's twelve here. I think it's okay. eleven ninety nine. I used to have to drive. I couldn't even find it. Yeah. And then once I found it up here, I drove it back. Now Safeway by us has a whole display. Yeah. It's a good beard, and boy, they sure do sell the heck out of it. Um, I heard about it for years before I could even find it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Great Lakes Brewery here, I mean, they have some, the Dortmunder Gold, uh, the Commodore Perry, all their beers are, they're very good, very good. If you like beers and you're in the area, actually, you don't have to be in the area anymore. Um, you know, like you said, you can get them in D.C., and they're they're really getting a good reputation and growing as a business and a company. But yeah. uh, So another thing about fishing up here and all around that should be okay. You have these metro park systems, which mm-hmm. are parking lots, restrooms, which are awesome, and then maps you can just pull offline and see where to go. Mm-hmm. One thing about this river, though, I noticed you don't have, like, named holes or anything. No. You just send people to, like, something mills or this street or that street, mm-hmm. and then you jump in from there. Correct. Um, so I guess a lot of that might be that, you know, we haven't been fly fishing for steelhead here at least like we are now um, for enough years to start naming stuff. You know what I mean? Some of the fishing partners, like if you and I were to go fishing for a few years, we'd have our own little names for spots. And there's a, there's a few names. There's a few names for spots. Like on the Chagrin, everybody knows where the Bark and Dog Hole is. And if you don't know where it is, the first time you go there, oh, this must be the Bark and Dog Hole. Because right. you walk up the river and five Weimaraners come out and start barking at you. So that's the Bark and Dog Hole. So there's a few name spots that guys know. But, yeah, I don't think it's quite there yet. And, and the other thing is, to be honest with you, our rivers change a lot. I mean. The spot I was at today. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. A couple, than a couple of years ago. Just everything shifted. There was a deposit in one spot. I was able to wade where a couple of years ago would have been waist deep. Yeah, a lot of trees go down. Holes fill in. Washouts here and there. I mean. You know, there's places that for six, seven, eight years are good, consistent, reliable producers, and then one big rainstorm and blow out, and two trees fall in, and it's not there anymore. Um, you know, so it's that's a lot of it too because they really do change a lot um, from year to year. Even you know, they're not going to change drastically from year to year, but they start they change over a two, three year period, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. So I think that might have a 
little bit to do with it too. But there are a few name spots on each river that 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 guys know what you're referring to that have been around a little bit, but nothing you wouldn't know nationally for sure. Do the guys kind of know each other on the river? I think a lot of them do. Yeah, there's a couple different group dynamics. You know, you, the, I think a lot of the center pinners know each other. A lot of the spay guys know each other. A lot of the indicator nymph fishing guys know each other. I don't know if there's a, there's a little bit of crossover between some of them. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely, you know, there's a lot of guys that know each other on the river, absolutely. You know who's, who drives what car. Um, who who fishes? Who swings flies? Who indicator fishes? Who center pins? Yeah, it's a pretty nice community overall. How far do people drive to fish here? Other than me from DC, I know Victor Kernis drives up here. Yeah, no, there's uh, you know it. It's getting more and more popular every year. We get guys that come up from Florida to fish with us every year. We get some guys that come from Texas to fish with us every year. Again, most of our clients are still local, and it's you get more out-of-state people in the spring because that's there's just more fishing more spring fish break. in the rivers in the spring fishing's just better there's more yeah. fish in the rivers in the spring um i mean you see cars from you know wisconsin d you know you see a lot of cars from virginia west virginia pa um those kind of places I, so i think you know within a seven eight hour drive we you know if you drew a circle around it we get people down here from canada and things like that too um, so I think if you you know drew a circle around whatever radius makes it about a seven hour drive, we we draw people in from there quite a bit more and more every year. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you pulled up the metro maps. Yeah. Are these just done through like taxes? So there's always there's a, a really nice sign that doesn't have any graffiti or stickers on it, and the pullouts and yeah, one of the presidents. Um, Started it in uh, it looks about I have like ten or eight presidents from here. Nineteen seventeen, yeah, Ohio. Ohio's a big state, no doubt about it. When it comes to politics, um, who the heck was it? Grover Cleveland. I don't know. I can't think of any other. My wife maybe would know. I don't know which president it was. George Washington uh, lives used to live down from where we live now. Yeah, I feel silly because I used to know who it was. And okay, it says here William Stinchcombe, uh, a young self-taught engineer, conceived the idea of an outer chain of parks with connecting boulevards and, and put it together. Um, and I must have been one of the presidents that uh, that that, that passed it. But to be honest with you, I forget the exact history of it. But. The good thing about the Metro Parks, and I feel silly because I don't know exactly all the details about it, but, I mean, the good thing about the Metro Parks is it opens up a lot of access on these rivers to not only anglers, but there's bridal trails, there's soccer fields, uh, polo. You know, there's polo field, there's basketball dogs. courts. There's so many people with dogs walking around here. There, Even on the Rocky yesterday. Dog parks, I mean, you name it. The, the, the Metro Park system um, is one of the better things we have in our area um and, and and we're very proud of it and we have some very people working in the metro park system now that that do a great job and continue uh to add access every year um so it's a very good program we have here in, in the cleveland area and we'd be we'd be have a lot less places to fish and just 
be outdoors without it for sure. So we're, we're lucky to have it. Do you know why they're called reservations? You're asking me some tough questions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> questions I should probably know. I don't know why they call. I mean, you probably just used to it. It's yeah. something I just noticed. No, yeah. I mean, coming in from out of town, sure, you would be like, hey, what's this mean and what's that mean? Yeah. And I just haven't explored it uh, in as much detail as I should. But I, I don't know why they call them reservations. But it's neat. Uh, you can go to the website. Uh, I mean, you can just look up Cleveland Metro Parks. And then each river has pull-offs, detailed, not the most detailed maps, but... They're good enough that well, you can find your you know a spot to fish. Yeah, and they show you access points, which is the main thing, you know, because you know people come in here and they're like, hey, you know, I don't want any exact spots, but can you tell me access points? And I give people access points. You know, a lot of them are metro parks, and and I'll tell me exact spots to fish. There may be fish in there, they may not, and that's the thing with steelhead fishing. It's not like trout fishing or fishing for a resident fish where. Oh man, this is a good run. You know, don't we don't want to tell anybody about this run. It's loaded up with fish. You know, you're dealing with a migratory fish. So, you know, what's a good run today? Those fish may be three miles up the river tomorrow. You know what I mean? They move around a lot. So, the the the. the so I, we're we're not uh, bashful, and we don't really hide spots. I mean, there's not a whole lot of secrets here in Ohio more anymore, especially with all the local guys. I mean, everybody knows all the spots. The key is to finding the fish. Mm-hmm. You know, the spots are the spots, but which spots are the fish in? That's, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there were spots today. I was filming them. I'm like, these are the fishiest looking. Yeah. Just like four feet deep with riffles like that. Yeah. There's got to be something in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they may have been there too. I mean, the conditions were pretty tough today. Um, and not so much the visibility today. You know, the visibility was probably okay, but when you get marginal visibility and cold water when they're really sluggish you know if a fish if the water temps 50 and a fish sees a bead or a streamer come swinging by and a foot of visibility boom he's on it you know his metabolism charged up and he can grab it you know in in this cold water i mean they you really need to bump them on the nose and and they need time to react to it because they're just not super active right now what's an ideal water flow for here mm, for the chagrin you know 400-ish, you know, it, it, you, it depends what, how you like fishing. You know, f- between 500 and 350, depending on visibility, is pretty good for swinging a fly. Once it starts to get lower than that, you know, it turns more into better indicator water. So it, it changes a little bit as the levels drop. And you guys had a pretty dry summer as well. Wicked dry summer and fall. Yeah, I think now the water, you know, the first few rains we got, I don't remember when it was, but... There was a pretty good batch of rain that came through here about mid-October, and it rained for literally three days. And the rivers on the on the gauges on the graphs, they didn't even start going up until the third day. Everything wow. was just soaking into the ground. Um, so, yeah, it was a very dry, very dry summer and a very dry fall. Um, now, I think the water tables, you know, stock back up pretty good. And when it rains or you get some snow melt, you know, the ground's saturated and there's water seeping into the river. So we should be pretty good from here on out, hopefully. But, yeah, this, this summer and fall was very dry. And that's why the fishing was tough this, this fall. You know, they need water to come in and move upstream, and we just didn't have a lot of it. I think that was true all over. It seemed true all over. I mean, Ohio, PA, New York, I know everybody was. I gave up in my garden. Yeah, 
Forget this, man. Yeah. The, the pumpkins did fine somehow, but yeah, fruits and vegetables were yeah non-existent. Yeah. So I think we're back where we should be now. Um, so we're in pretty. We're, we've had some good rain and snow and everything else. So mm-hmm. we're in pretty good shape. So All right. hopefully that trend continues. The big guy. There he is. You want to do some interview too? I have nothing important to talk about. Oh, you can talk about something. Neither do we. <laughs> Even less than that. Well, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Patrick. I, uh, I'm kind of a shop rat, and I work too much and don't fish enough. All right. Well, I caught nothing today. But it was fun. I mean, I'd rather, the, the scenic value. So River Road, I think, is amazing. Oh, definitely. It looks yeah, like absolutely. they're building a castle in one spot. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a $24 million house that mm-hmm. in D.C. that some guy bought, and they kicked him out because he couldn't pay. It's that big. Yeah. Uh, but the, the sh- is the shale walls. Those huge just rock walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's anything like that except up here. Yeah, no. A lot of people are, you know, when when if they haven't fished Ohio before and they come in from out of state and they're not really sure what to expect. I think a lot of times they have low expectations, which never hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of a place, you're like, man, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, it, it's very nice. The rivers are very nice. The 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 water quality is very good. Uh, the fish are great. You know, we have a very good fishery here that, uh, you know, we're kind of protective of. Um, we like to brag about it. At the same time, you know, it's nice that we can go fishing and not have to deal with a lot of people. I don't know if you saw anybody else out today or... Yeah, so three guys, yeah. two in the water, one on a rock driving up here. Yeah, you know, you can. there's plenty of elbow room to get out and fish and walk and, and, and enjoy your time on the water for sure. So we're, we're fortunate and we have... You know, I mean, five, six. I mean, there's a lot of water to fish, a lot of different rivers to fish, too, to spread guys out. So It's all the heart of Metropolis. Yeah. It still kind of boggles the mind. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, you can be, you know, if you lived in downtown Cleveland and you drove, I don't know, an hour and 45 minutes east, you would drive over seven pretty good steelhead rivers between Ohio, PA, and New York. And if you drove 45 minutes west, you'd go over three other good ones. That's crazy. So we, we're, we're lucky. We're lucky. A lot of guys are getting into the lakeshore fishing, which is pretty cool. You know, more and more guys fishing the river mouse and break walls and piers and jetties and things like that for the steelhead, which is, you know, when they're staging late summer um, and all through the fall, you can get into some pretty gangbusters fishing right off the piers and break walls and, and beaches and things like that. And that's getting more and more popular as well. Do they have a bikini hatch down there? Not in October. No, no. You could go down there in July, yes. Fishing's not too hot, but take what you can get. Absolutely. Actually, the fishing's pretty good, just not for steelhead. A lot of smallmouth, a lot of white bass, a lot of freshwater drum and things like that. Freshwater drum? Sheephead. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's weird. We don't have those up where we are. No reef donkeys, and they're you can see them. Though you can see them tailing. Yeah, hard. Yeah, you'll see them tailing. Eat stuff off the jetties. Oh yeah, they'll chase the crayfish and get in there, and yeah, you'll see them tailing, and you can sight cast to them and things like that at at times. Yeah, like little goby or crayfish patterns around the rocks and stuff. The gobies are big. Introduced gobies from the ballast water. Correct. But fish love them. They're like a little mashed potato. They're soft and not bony and there you go. slurp them right up. Smallmouth yeah. love them. Steelhead love them. There's a guy that came to our fishing club that has a umqua pattern that's a goby that got picked up. 
Yeah, yeah. Kevin Feenstra has a really cool. He ties a lot of just. Again, we were talking earlier about the intruders, how they fish well, but you know you might be better off a lot of times fishing something more like what the fish are actually eating leeches goby sculpins that kind of thing and kevin has a lot of patterns like that that are tied more for the native species that uh bait fish species that the steelhead are actually eating and he has a pretty cool goby pattern that that fishes pretty well do you have stray salmon that come through here yeah yeah a few every now and then this, this year we had a good run of pinks pink salmon yeah nobody's really sure where they came from but there was a handful caught in just about every river. That's weird. Uh, yeah. That's it's so weird that you just, fish just show up. You don't know. Like we've got the tilapia in DC, but that's because Chinese families release fish into the water before uh, a meal, or the homeless guys are paid by monks to go and release fish from the grocery stores. Huh. Uh, so at least we know where that comes. But pink salmon—that's just they stock them in Michigan. And I think on the north side of Lake Erie, there's a few, but, uh, yeah, they were caught them in the Rocky, saw a couple out of the Chagrin, Euclid Creek, at Trout Run over in Pennsylvania where they pull all their fish for their stocking program. There's a very short stretch of creek down to the lake, and then they've got a weir there for fish control so they can get in and net the fish for their program. And there was a dozen pinks in there one day when I stopped and looked That's when crazy. I was over that way. Yeah. What about, do you have the carp fishing that Michigan has? The Lake Michigan? Not to this, quite the same level, I don't think. But you see some giants cruising around down on the lakefront. Um, and and the slower parts of the rivers, all the steelhead rivers also have pretty good carp fishing in the slower. I come to Ohio to do my carp fishing. There's definitely a good number of fish around here. Um, we had absolute craziness with the cicada emergence this spring. Uh, it was amazing how spooky carp normally are. It was completely the opposite. They're eating cicadas. They were eating cicadas on top like crazy. Uh, throwing like a two inch long big foam bug on like a size 4 B10S 12 pound tippet just splat it down and you'd have 3 or 4 come over to look at it it was amazing that's really cool so how, do you have to wait 17 more years for that to happen uh yeah I think so um but it was very cool while it lasted I noticed everyone had been hoping for the big cicada hatch and driving through the Alleghenies in Ohio the trees were all branches were dead I could see where they laid their eggs uh, but yeah, we didn't get any of it. Uh, yeah, there was a few pockets that were amazing. Just the volume of sound and the number of bugs that you saw was... Dogs eating them, women screaming. Yeah, children eating them, yeah. playing with it. Mom going, oh my god, don't eat that! Because they were just literally everywhere in the pockets. I mean, walking 50 yards down to the creek from a parking spot probably stepped on hundreds of them uh, and just, you could hear that from it was deafening pretty far away from where you actually saw a big concentration of them just with the number of them all buzzing and making noise it was the cicadas yeah oh that was good <laughs> uh, yeah the uh, carp fishing for them was amazing 
Um, might have to find some other emergences and make a little road trip in the next couple of years. Yeah, follow the cicada hatch. Because it was very cool. And um, talked to a few people who went down and fished uh, like the Yakigani for trout when the cicadas were emerging down there. And same thing, just big, big dry flies, fish going crazy for them. So it was a very cool emergence. Because I was out of town like the entire summer that they emerged the last time so didn't really have a good reference point for what was going to happen and then there was just hundreds of millions of them i don't know they were everywhere any of them get caught in your beard yes actually one flew into my beard and got a little tangled i had to just grab it and you can try flies in that yeah <laughs> i have stuck a big popper in there a few times just let it dry out or a streamer and how long has that been growing for uh, a little over two years since the last time I trimmed it. And, uh, it's like Captain Caveman. You're yeah. like, oh, you can pull this out. <laughs> I trimmed it for my little sister's wedding in October two years ago and haven't really done anything to it since then. It's nice and easy. You just wake up and go. Yep. All right. Uh, well, Dan is occupied. I think we'll end it here. I don't want to keep you guys. But where can we find your website again? Uh what is our website? Uh, ChagrinRiverOutfitters.com, I believe. Go. It's an easy one. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's see if I can get a hold of Dan in a moment. Yeah, ChagrinRiverOutfitters.com. Just, we're just going to say our goodbyes. Anything else you want to talk about? The shop, the fishery? Uh, why is there, I'll see one car that's completely covered in snow and 100 cars that aren't. Uh, with the different lake effect snow that we have around here there'll be bands where you'll get 18 inches of snow and a mile from there you might get an inch so weird so how do they deal with canceling school or they don't even cancel school up here not that much no uh, uh, they forecast snow they cancel in dc and you wake up and it's sunny <laughs> yeah i definitely went to school when there was 12 inches of snow that fell the night before on numerous occasions in middle school Nothing. and high school. And like, it's the wussification of America. Like, the bus can make it through. Uh, every kid should be <laughs> handed a snow shovel at the beginning of the year, and they got to go and shovel. All right, so yesterday I inquired, why are there so much, like, pieces of tile and random bricks and just old pieces of things in the river? You said it's just old Rust Belt stuff? I bought, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you know, there's been few dams that have gone out. There's been some flooding and things like that. Um, you know, one of the less scenic places on the river um, where the river kind of carved away a bank where there was an old landfill and a little bit of that dumps in, you know, not the best spot to go fishing, but it happened. Um, I know the history. I'm sure is- foundries and stuff were along the river shore that were making those kind of products, and you know the the old. Hey, what's going on, Marcus? How are you? How you doing? Good to see you. You're good. Um, you know, there was an old. I'm pretty sure there was a factory that made they bricks down there in Gates Mills in one time, and maybe some of them came from there. I just, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff in the river at times. It's usually after a big flood. That, I found a dumpster today, like up in the woods. Huh. It's like if it was really dumping snow, I would have sat in there and just chilled out for a bit. It was on its side, like a little cave. A real dumpster. A real dumpster. Huh. I haven't seen that yet, so I, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. It's below the bridge spot you showed me yesterday. Good swinging water. Right above Oh, it. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Huh. That's also, weird. You guys had a lot of pollution issues back in the day. Did they just dump whatever they wanted to in the rivers back then, too? Not just dump it so it goes downstream to someone else? Pretty yeah. Much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Everything goes downstream. So as long as you're dumping it in and you're upstream of it, they don't worry about it. Um, you know, there was a lot of industry, you know, uh, and a lot of people, textiles, steel, you know, those kind of things going on, chemicals for whatever, you know, whatever purpose they were making them for. And it's just a lot of it just there wasn't a whole lot of regulation. Yeah. And a lot of it just went into the river, you know, sewage runoff with with um, where stormwater and, and sewage runoff just couldn't when you got a big rain, it just couldn't accommodate all the. So this fishing couldn't have happened 100 years ago. Some of the rivers, it, well, some of the rivers it could have. I mean, for instance, the Chagrin had great water quality. It still has some native brook trout up in the headwaters of some of the, uh, you know, and the, I think the state record brook trout came out of the Chagrin uh, not too, I mean, I forget what year it was, like a two-and-a-half-pound brook trout. So, and there are some. pound brook trout? Two-and-a-half. Pound. Two, pound. You know, that, but that was back in the day. Yeah. Um, so some of the water quality was very good. It was more the, I mean. It was more the Cuyahoga that that got this area the bad rap for the water quality. The rest of it isn't bad. Isn't bad. Traditionally, historically speaking, I, I don't think. You know, so yeah, people think in Northeast Ohio or Cleveland, and yeah, the river caught on fire, the Burning River, that kind of thing, which you know, which is the Cuyahoga, and yeah, that's a pretty disgraceful uh, event. But overall, the water quality on a lot of these rivers is very good. There's, uh, have you fished the Grand River? No. Uh, you know, so one of the things you'll see in the Grand River that's very cool and kind of a, you know, canary in the coal mine kind of, so to speak, is those big, I mean, there's huge, I mean, there's freshwater mussels that are as big as, uh... I've seen them here. Dinner plate, yeah. 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 They're in the, um, Olentangy, too. I mean, they're massive. Yeah. I bring the shells back for my daughter. Yeah, yeah and you need pretty good water quality for those yeah. to thrive, and there's a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of them. That was probably food I, back for the Native Americans here. Oh, I... Caught one on the grand. That's a gagger. This past <laughs> summer, I was stripping a streamer and thought I snagged up on something and kept pulling out and it came loose and stripping it back. It's like there's something heavy on the end of this and it was about that size. Yeah, they're enormous. Yeah, I, they're I haven't seen them up here, but more down by like Tom Field. Mm-hmm. I saw them, which was like these things are enormous. The ones on the grand are even bigger and more plentiful. There's a lot of them. So they must filter a lot of water being that big. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. Patrick may be too young. Do you remember the SNL skit with Bill Murray drinking swill? No. It, he was standing in a lake, and it's like lake, you know, fresh water from Lake Erie. And he picks mm-hmm. up like uh, like a ladle and pours it in like a coffee cup, and it's like thick, like like I don't know, petroleum jelly mixed mm-hmm. with baby oil or something. Mm. And it's like this clear sludge. It's like glug, glug, glug. And the whole joke was that how dirty the water was. If I find it, I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty gross. Good old Bill Murray. Yeah, and a lot of it, too. I mean, the, the water in Lake Erie wasn't, for a long time, it wasn't great, but it wasn't so much Lake Erie's problem. It was the, you know, coming down from Detroit and things like that. You know what I mean? It is just, this is where it comes. So it ended up here, and yeah, our lake was not in the best of shape, but it wasn't, for the most part, Ohio's doing. Let's see if I can find it. Swill. That's, that stayed up north. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> kind of. All right. 
Well, I'm going to let you guys go. I got some stuff to plan out for tomorrow. So, uh-huh. again, we can find you at ChagrinRiverOutfitters.com. Mm-hmm. Year-round fishery, tying departments, soft goods, rods, reels, waders, yeah. knickknacks. Excellent source of flies. Now you also carry an OPST. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, we try and cater to our customers and make, have what they want. And OPST's coming, coming on strong, no doubt about it. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time. and. For all the information. Hey, my pleasure. I'm great to be here. Sorry we couldn't get out and go fishing, but uh, just busy holiday time. Busy Folks, holiday time. if you stop in here, say you heard it on the podcast. Right on. All right. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Strength of your own, honey. Hold out your hands and take it from an old man.